And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. So today, I actually have a very special guest with me. I have the actor from Chaos Rising, actor Patrick Fowler. And I cannot wait to dive into this. I thought he did a really good job with uh, with his lines, his delivery, everything about this movie. I really enjoyed. I want to see more of this. So with further ado, let's go on ahead. Let's bring him in. I can't wait to talk about Chaos Rising. Do it. And hey, Patrick, how are you? I'm pretty good, man. Thank you. Um, in Very London, lovely. in the middle of a thunderstorm. Oh, wow. You know what? I remember doing a movie review during the middle of a thunderstorm and everything. I had to break that up into two sections. So hopefully we won't have to do this with this interview or whatever, because I want to keep you around as much as I can. So, mm -hmm. But man, just coming out of the gate, though, I really have to say I enjoyed Chaos Rising. I thought the humor landed with me, the dark humor. I also like your line where you say, well, sometimes you just need an antique. That's and a great I just line. busted out laughing. So, yeah. That's a, that's there are a few lines on set where not when we delivered them or, or when I delivered them or just when I heard them on set, I was like, that's going in the trailer. It's got to be in the trailer. It's got to be in the trailer. I mean, that that line alone. And then, of course, the king who spends all his money on booze and women and the party. It's like, mm -hmm. well, where's all the stuff at? Well, he spent it all on booze. Yeah. And he's like, well, what about that? He goes, that's an antique. Well, sometimes you just need an antique. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was really great. I thought the that whole entire storyline was good. Uh, the banter between you and the other, um, I forgot, I forgot the character's name, but it, it's always you and this the banter between you and this other character. And I between me and Bertrand, between me yeah, and Bertrand, um, who's become a become a fan favorite. That's so great that everyone has just latched on to this. Um, uh, to this comic relief night. Everyone just loves Bertrand, and I think that's fantastic. I think he's so, a, he's too. Been a real sleeper hit. So my question is this, okay? So when you were presented with the script and everything, what made you say, yes, I want to sign on for this? Is it because of the fantasy aspect of it? Is it because of the fact that the writing was just so good? What made you say, you know what, I want to try Chaos Rising, and did you know anything about Chaos Rising before going into this? So... I've known about Chaos Rising for a long time before it was anywhere near being made because, so I don't know how familiar you are with the team who created um, the project, but it was the brainchild of two members of a combat stunt team that I've been part of since I was about 22. So going on about 10 years now, and we've worked on film and television for many years. And they say that when you're in the creative industry like this, you're really encouraged to create your own work. And these two guys, the two producers, um, are the two Grahams, huge Warhammer fans. And they wanted to team up with two filmmakers who they made friends with and uh, create something of their own, something in-house, a grassroots project. And at the time of Inception, when I heard about, we were shooting on Ridley Scott's The Last Jewel. I don't know if you saw that. That's I saw the it. I saw Robin Hood. That's in you I know that's Robin some Hood. of the stuff. Yeah. 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 So we've got a long-standing relationship with Ridley Scott. Um, and it was on there that I first heard about it. And um at first it was just gonna be a 10-minute short, just a showcase to show what the combat team can do when we're working for ourselves. And it grew and grew and grew, and we got loads more money than we thought we were going to get, and everyone was very excited. And we did a a video to try and raise more awareness 
where we introduced the character of Marauder Mike. And Marauder Mike became huge. Like he's, I think he's sitting somewhere at like 370,000 views on YouTube now. He just blew up. He's this weird character that we just kind of created on the day. And that went down so well that Charlie, uh, the director of the piece, asked me if I wanted to play Florian. Um, and not being a jobbing actor who believes in uh, the power of a power of serendipity and of nepotism, any opportunity, any big opportunity very often just falls in your lap. It's unlikely that you've done the work for it. A lot of the time, something just happens out of nowhere for you. So there was no way I was saying no to this part. Even if the script was terrible, which it isn't, and the people were horrible, which they're not, I would have done it anyway because it was such a big role. Right. I can understand that, though, because you've been part of the stunt team for a long time, and then, you know, you're in, into the Warhammer thing. And I never heard of Warhammer up until this point. So I just really? reviewed it as someone that loves fantasy, that loves the fantasy aspect of something like Game of Thrones or Ridley Scott movies. And I reviewed it in that kind of aspect because that's what worked for me. And that's what this is what I like. It's It ends up transforming into different types of genres, different types of things. Even if you mm -hmm. haven't heard of Warhammer, you can still enjoy this film and go into it as a someone who loves fantasy, loves mm -hmm. medieval kind of stuff. And that's what I was, that's what I fell in love with this film. That's a really difficult line for us to tread because e anyone who knows anything about Warhammer knows how dense the lore is and how kind of inaccessible it could be if you don't know the first thing about it. To try and jump on to the lore is very difficult. So we had this difficult line to straddle of satisfying all the lifelong fans of the IP without alienating everyone who doesn't know anything about it. So the fact that you watched it with no previous knowledge and still got all this enjoyment out of it, that's mission accomplished for us. That's exactly yes. what we wanted to do. Matter of fact, uh, we actually watched the pitch video, uh, Josh and I did. Mm -hmm. And we just cracked up laughing about the uh, yeah. bit that you guys did. I mean, I'm like, this is how you sell a movie. This yeah. is how you do it. I love it. We wanted to put across that we are... We are really professional workers. We've built up like an incredible work ethic and reputation on set, which is why we get work because people know that you could just kind of wind us up and just let us go and the production doesn't need to worry about us. But we, we like to have a laugh as well. We've got a really good sense of humor. And you know, what better way to endear people to you and try and get them to chuck you a few pounds or a few bucks than by showing that, that, that we can be silly as well that we can do all this stuff and make it look authentic, but we can have a bit of a wry smile while we're doing it. You know, I thought it was funny with the whole entire fire bit where, uh, where you light someone on fire. I thought that was funny. The whole entire killing someone while they're talking and then that person mm -hmm. follows the next line of dialogue. Yeah. It, was, it could have actually been where it could throw somebody off with the pitch, but it was making me with my eyes glued to the screen. I was like, okay, what's going to happen next? Yeah that pitch because the pitch was just awesome i'm just yeah. gonna bring that out the to you a huge production in itself like even looking back at the pitch you think like that's that's thousands of pounds worth of production value that's just gone into a three minute pitch so we didn't we haven't been playing by halves the whole time so when chaos rising came out it should have been no surprise to anyone that it looked as great as it was because 
we've never like we've never we've always doubled down we've always tried to make everything look as big and impressive as possible awesome man and also too midnight wanted to know this okay what styles or how deep in history did you have to go to study different fighting techniques so i'm really lucky to be part of the combat team combat international is the team that Whenever you see people fighting on screen, ex save a few people in Not Chaos Rising, they're all members of the Combat International squad. So I've been lucky enough to be training with Combat International since I was 22. So for about the last 10 years, we've been training with swords, with axes, axes and shields, swords and shields, the whole bit. So we have like a series of like um, carters for want of a better word, that we would work through to get to the point where when we're immediately called up on set, like we need like six guys in the immediate background for this fight, I can pair off with someone and we can come up with a fight sequence in a minute. We can just cycle something through in a minute. So we're not, I'm not trained specifically in like HEMA, like a traditional sword fighting style, but our training, our fighting style is optimized for dynamism and creating like thrilling and violent fighting this is this is one of our big thrusts is we don't want it to look neutered in any way we want the fighting to be very visceral very aggressive and i was very lucky um the character who plays bertrand actually who everyone's in love with uh bertrand and one of the uh, two of the other knights um were the main choreographers on the piece and Brody is very good with uh, the two-handed sword uh, style, Hema style. He's been training since he was a child. So we have a legitimate expert in the fighting style on set, um, choreographing everything. So we know that the fighting is going to look fantastic, regardless of who you're working with. If you've got Brody there brainstorming these ideas and bringing these fight scenes to life, it's why the fight scenes look as good as they do. It's why they look as authentic as they do. Right. I have to say, that's something that I like about it was like how clean in the, of the execution it was for the fight scenes to be and how intense they were and how gory were they were because it needs to be gory to amplify the war aspect to it, which I think cool. that some people shy away from in some movies. But this one, I like how it has like a style like the 80s kind of throwback of... Mm -hmm the medieval kind of setting. And that's something yeah. that I really fell in love with because it reminds me of Conan or the Barbarian. It yeah. reminded me of so much fantasy aspect of stuff that I grew up with. And it just have transcends seen, onto the screen. Have you seen a film? I watched a, an old film with a friend of mine a few days ago called Dragon Slayer. Have you heard of Dragon Slayer? I've heard of it. And it's I think a, I might've seen it in a long time. It was, a, you, it was a Disney and a Paramount co-production. And it's very Dungeons and Dragonsy. You can tell that it was made right in the wake of Dungeons and Dragons. You can find it on YouTube. The whole feature's on YouTube. And I was watching this with my friend on the weekend. And the one thing that really struck me about it was now when you get fantasy or say when you get science fiction movies or superhero movies, they often have a bit of a laugh at the fact that they're doing fantasy. They laugh at how silly it is. They can't quite take it seriously. They can't buy into it. This Dragon Slayer movie was like, no, we're going to talk about all these far off lands that won't ever feature. We'll 
speak about uh, the dynasties that have come before. We're really going to double down on the fantasy because that's what people want. And you don't get that very often in mainstream, not mainstream fantasy now. And this is one thing that Chaos Rising does really well is we have a joke, but we're not joking at how stupid everything is. We're taking the source the the script very seriously. Right. We don't laugh at the script ever. And that really comes across. And like you say, these, these throwback 80s movies, films were just, they were more sincere back then. They were more genuine. 80s and 90s. Yeah, yeah go on. Yeah, exactly. And I also like how you introduced the main villain of this movie, though, too, because you hear the stories, you hear the legends of it. And then when you wind up finally seeing him and how it's being played out, and it's like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. Because now mm -hmm. I, what I thought was the person who I thought was dead is actually still alive, even though my yeah. story did say that I kill them, but there's another way that you can kill somebody and the way you kill them was spirit, uh, spiritually, mm -hmm. not physically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you didn't think that was going to come back at you at, at the end of it either. Your character didn't. Yeah. And that's something that I really liked was you end up, sh they tell us something and then they show us something. It doesn't treat the audience as if they're stupid either. Mm -hmm. And I like that because it makes us be that more intense and worry for your character too because the part that I think that was the most horrifying thing was when your character is just like shocked, like a moment of shell shock is when yeah. you finally see your enemy coming and you're trying to prepare everybody and your eyes just get really big. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh shit, I'm in trouble. Yeah. I don't know uh -huh. what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. All my chickens have come home to roost because yes. I've got this big reputation to uphold and I've got my nemesis who's, been dead these past however many years and now he's back and on right. this one night where i just happened to be in a virtually indefensible fortress with a handful of good guys to help me out and a bunch of underprepared under-armored ill-equipped peasants and right. i just My need favorite to... thing though and he's not a born the... leader as well florian's not he's not a good guy he's not who you want leading you he's not really very different from the barbarians He's got a bloodlust exactly the same as them. He just fights for a slightly different cause. Right. So yeah, it's a, it's a perfect storm. Exactly. He's at the he's there at the right place at the wrong time. He's thrown mm. into this mixed bag and he doesn't know what to do. So he's trying to I like how he's trying to figure things out as he's walking by because he's not used to this place either. Because yeah. I feel like as as someone that's watching it, that word is as uninvited as you are in this mm -hmm. movie. And we're introduced to this world just as you're introduced into this town for the very first time. So we're going on this journey with you, not knowing, not understanding where everything's at and hoping that you'll find an outcome for this as well. And that's something I liked was the journey of the character and trying to piece things together of how to get these enemies off of, out of this town mm -hmm. and having these peasants, like you say. And also, too, the funny thing was, just, well, I'm not married. Because, oh, yeah. you can go out there. Yeah, that was my yeah. other favorite thing that you did. Yeah, when I throw... Yeah, that's that's. there's yeah. a few bits I really enjoy, but that bit throwing the peasant out of the gate is one of my favorite moments. Because in the world of Warhammer, uh, you, don't, you don't get good guys. You get, like, bad guys, and you get guys who are slightly not as bad. You get guys who are just... You get really horrible guys, and then you just get horrible guys. And those are the two tiers, really, in Warhammer. And it's moments like that where we can... It's funny. We have, like, a bit of comedy. But at the same time, 
you see that Florian, especially having just seen one of his mates killed in front of him and having to deal with the guilt of that, his way to to process that is just to like throw a throw an innocent man to his death. That's how he's gonna help, you know, like not like, get over some of the anger that he's feeling. Just chuck someone to their death and he's feeling a bit better about himself. Right. That's that's what I got the chip of it as well, though, to be honest with you. Is like, well, I'm angry about this situation, but in order for me to mourn over this person, I'm gonna take my anger out on somebody else and let mm-hmm. them be the ones who uh carries out that burden for me. And you can do so it with impunity. Because it's like it, it's like back in the day, if you're a landed knight, although Florian isn't a landed knight, he's a questing knight, but if you're a knight, you can do whatever you want to these peasants. Because there's no judicial system. And who are they anyway? They'll just keep breeding. And in and in this world, the knights care very little for the peasantry. The knights sort of detest the peasantry. They feel the duty to protect them, and there's a duty of care there. But this is as much an exercise in them being prideful and showing how tough they are, and not really them being generous or benevolent in any way. Now... But Josh wanted to know too, what's the budget like for getting medieval equipment? I bet that stuff is ex- actually pretty expensive or costly. Mm-hmm. But then again, you've been around it for so long. So I think there's a way that you can actually finagle it around a little bit. I think. Well, so I wasn't, luckily for me, being talent, as they call it on set, I'm the talent. I don't really have to worry about all the actual work, the really important work that where people should be getting paid the wage that the actors get to do. I don't have to worry about any of that. I just turn up and make sure my lines are learned. And that's it. That's all I have to worry about. Like, so as well as running the combat team, um, the combat team is a subsidiary of a international of a, of a Scottish historical charity called the Clan Ranald Trust. And we provide a few various, like, you know, we have like various little um irons on the fire and we have a huge store of costumes and weaponry and armor massive amount enough for any production to just walk into our studio to our to our warehouse and have everything taken care of so lots of aspects of the armor and the costume we already had a lot of it was already there a lot of the weapons that you see and the majority of the uh, Marauder costumes had all, they all had to be made. They all had to be brought in. You see there's, um, so in the production, there's a character who's sort of uh, the Baron's lackey, Sergeant Batard. He's the one who, um, he drags poor Olivia off at the start to take her to the Baron's tent. And he also assembles the troops into the shield wall at the end. And he gets everyone to chant my name after we spurn the attackers. His name's Kaz, and he was our quartermaster. So a lot of the weaponry you see, I'm going to say a lot. I don't know if it was all of it, but a lot of the weaponry you see and the armor was purchased as it was. And then it was all of it was weathered and painted and made to look of the time by Kaz. So again, there is a cost involved, but because we're an army of volunteers, we buy we bypass a lot of the cost because we've just got a lot of fantastic people who are willing to put their time on the line to and to put themselves in the future and think if I sacrifice all this time now 
eventually there's going to be something amazing to show for it. That's definitely, so, yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. Now, and I like the fact that how experienced that you guys actually are. And also too, I bet that also doing like, the, do you also do like any stage combat, uh, combat for like theater or anything like that? Or is it just. Well, I've never done anything for theater. Everything that we've done has been for screen and uh, for film and television, but it's a transferable skill. Uh, once we've got these skills, once you've learned enough, because it's as much a frame of mind as it is just knowing the movements. It's more kind of an attitude and a frame of mind that we that we teach and we try and instill in people so that if you forget your moves on set on, on another production or if something goes wrong, you can just act in the moment. Um, you can throw a headbutt in or you can put an elbow in on someone if it feels right. So no, I've never done any combat on stage strictly for um Did you hear that thunder? That was pretty cool, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, great sound effects over there, by the way. Good, what isn't it? It? Yeah, I need I should have a very authentic and a shroud. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but before we close out and everything, man, um, there's something else I wanted to ask you though, too. There's cool. this one part where they're talking about the legend of who you are. And basically what they believe is that you're the white knight kind of thing where you're in there to save them and you're like, wait, so you're telling me that there's this legend that they built up around someone and then all of a sudden, because of what's happening tonight, that's falling into place. Yeah. Now, based on your character, the way it's like, now, is he just taking in the legend itself or is he just like, wait, these people actually believe this, but I'm just here thrown into this thing. I don't know what I'm doing, but these people look to me for hope. And does your character, I was just wondering, this is just what I was thinking from me looking at it. And it's like, wait, I have to be the hope for these people now, even though I got thrown into this mix? Or was it like, oh, okay, so I am the White Knight. I am this legend. Speak of. What, was the, what would really you say the characterization question. was? It's a really good question, because Florian, at this point, We've we we when we encounter Florian from the beginning of episode one to the end, he doesn't really change. He's still full of himself and arrogant and bloodlusty. Even by the end, he's still pretty much the same guy. He's whatever he's doing at this point, he's not doing for the greater good. He's doing it for himself. He's doing it because he hates Ulfgar and he hates that he's back and he needs to kill him. So there's a pleasure in having to kill this guy again. There's a, there's a, he's happy to do it. He's not, he's certainly not doing it to save the people at this point. I, he couldn't, he couldn't give, it's, I think it's more about his, his song, the song of Florian, than it is about how other people are going to feature and how they're going to save, how he's going to save other people. He, he needs, I don't think he's too focused with ego. He just needs to kill Ulfgar at that point. Because he also at that point too, I think he also has a sense of danger to him though too, because it's now his second time going up against him. It's like, well, I need to kill. It's either be killed, pretty much just bring him down, or else he's going to kill me. Be killed yeah. or be. Killed. Yeah, exactly. He needs he, like he needs to take him out of the picture straight away. This is old news for this guy, and he's he's angry. He's really incensed. Ulfgar and the Marauders, the Chaos Marauders, rep represent everything that Florian is opposed to. They're like how vulgar they are and how crushed, 
crass and how bloodlusty they are. He needs he needs to expunge that from the world altogether. Yeah, so it's it's like you say, it's it's kill or be killed at that point. He's not bothered about the uh, the peasantry, and he won't be for some time yet. But that's why we need to start getting the ball rolling on getting right. people back in episode two. Because Florian's got a long way to go. Like, I've got a vague idea of where we're heading next. And there's a the, we've we've barely started. As you as as you get from the end of episode, episode one is like we're giving you like we're not even giving you like we're giving you a nibble of like what it is that's left. Like a little small nugget of something. Oh man. And you, you guys are just gonna tell no you this. Idea. This little small nugget, I want more of because uh -huh. I'm just that dived into it. I would I would review the whole entire series to be honest with you. Oh man, well, well, I, I can't wait to speak to you again when episode two rolls around. Okay, because yeah, you're gonna be, I de like, definitely will. As happy as you are now, you're going to be blown away. We'll speak for an hour next time. <laughs> okay, that sounds fantastic. Before we close out, I do have something that uh, Midnight wanted to do, and it's like a oh, fun oh, question. Man. Sure, no problem. Because can you give me a ride to Ireland or Scotland? <laughs> can I give him a ride? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, it sounds complicated, man. How much is he paying? Is he paying my expenses? I, you know what? I told Josh this. I said, "Look, man. I said he's not going to do it for free." Well, uh, I mean, so like, as, yeah. yeah, there'll be a Kickstarter. There'll be a Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll just we'll, do a we'll GoFundMe for him. We'll, yeah, yeah, we'll and it's totally Scotland as well. It's definitely not Ireland. I don't know why he's talking about Ireland for. Is he getting our? He doesn't. He, he doesn't have a clue about geography. Stuff. You have to excuse him. <laughs> You Americans, <laughs> we're all just the same right. country, aren't we, to you? <laughs> exactly. But man, it's a pleasure to be able to talk to you about Chaos is Rising. I definitely had a great time talking to you. And I would love to have you on for like a full hour because right. I'm just geeked out over this. I I played Magic the Gathering in high school and things mm -hmm. like that. So this fantasy yeah, aspect right. in this fantasy world is just something I love. Right, isn't it? It's great to get it's, that. It's great to get that honest genuine like no strings attached we're just gonna gonna go full fantasy for the next 45 minutes we're gonna leave the real I'm, world behind that's what i'm so talking nice. about that's, i'm so glad that you got that experience out of the man that's exactly what we wanted to do so it's so nice to speak to someone who is uh who's a success story from chaos thank rising you. cheers thank you man oh uh, yeah so well much. yeah um and you can find us on youtube i'm sure i'm sure you'll shout us out you've been shouting us out anyway but yeah go watch chaos yeah. rising on youtube guys Tell your friends. It is actually the link is actually below this interview as well, so you guys can go in and Love check it. it out. Well, they're fully primed. Oh, Everyone watching this is primed to just glide right into watching it now. Just glide right on in, click that mm -hmm. play button, and give them some love over there because they definitely deserve it. They did a fantastic job with the Kickstarter. Uh, this is actually one of the best Kickstarters I've seen since doing the podcast and stuff like that. And everything was built up together. I wish you and your team nothing but success. And I love the Robin Hood stunts. The stunt work was fantastic. Everything with this is fantastic, man. Thank so, you so much, man. That really means a lot. It's been a pleasure to speak to you, John. You're very welcome, man. It's good to have you on here. Well, always until next time, guys. Have a great and safe day. You have a stay safe out there in this weather. And always until next time, guys. Bye-bye.